Molinism. What is it? It almost sounds like a disease. Is it something that God has? And what is middle knowledge? Does God have that? We're going to talk about these things today and more on BibleStudyPodcast.org starting now. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to BibleStudyPodcast.org. Today is Wednesday, April the 1st of 2009, and hey, happy National Atheist Day to you guys. Psalm chapter 14, verse 1 says, The fool has said in his heart that there is no God. So, of course, this day is really a day for us to celebrate the foolishness of atheism. You know, I thought about doing something to refute atheism or to debunk atheism, but really, you know, I did that a couple of years ago um, on April Fool's Day when we were doing, I think we were on Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, I believe. We were talking about the proofs for the existence of God on April Fool's Day, uh, National Atheist Day. Uh, gotta love the irony of that. But anyway, I uh, hope you guys are having a fantastic day and that your week's going well. Uh, I wanted to let you guys know that uh, in the coming weeks here in northwest Arkansas, I'm going to be starting a study. I'm hoping to secure a location at a local Christian coffee house. I'm going to be starting a study called 12 Steps to Proving that Christianity is True. And of course, if you guys have been listening to the lessons recently, you know I know we haven't been doing any uh, apologetics or anything lately because I've been trying to finish up with school. Praise the Lord, I got done. But one of the things that I'm going to be doing now is uh, is going around to churches and conferences and uh, schools, presumably, to uh, to speak on apologetics or on theology or philosophy or whatever. So if that's something that you're interested in, uh, you can go to BibleStudyPodcast.org, and on the right-hand side, under the support box, there's a link that says... Invite Toby to speak at your church or learning institution. So I've got some questions on there. You can just fill those out for me real quick and shoot them back to me at cleanslate.ministries at hotmail.com. And I'd love to come and speak at your church or learning institution. So anyway, I wanted to let you guys know that we are uh, going to be resuming our schedule here on BibleStudyPodcast.org now that I'm done with school. It's almost like there's nothing to do. What am I going to do? You know what the first thing I did was? I read the book, Why Four Gospels, which was actually the first book that I read uh, five years ago when I entered seminary back in the fall of 2004. Uh, I just wanted to kind of freshen up on that, and now I'm reading I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, which was probably... Uh, one of the first five books that I read while I was in seminary, but I just want to freshen my mind back up on these things. Uh, And I'm enjoying it. It's kind of different when you're not reading it for school. So anyway, let's go ahead and get started with today's lesson with a quick word of prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for this study. We thank you for revealing yourself to us through your word and through nature, through reason, Lord. We thank you that you're logical. And while we can't figure you out completely, we can know enough about you that it can change our lives, that it can change the way we see everything because we see how awesome you really are. So Lord, today I just pray that you would be with us, that you would give us clarity of mind. Uh, Lord, help us to get away from the distractions in life long enough to devote this time to you in order that we can learn more about you. We love you and we just ask that you would bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in our previous lesson, which uh, was, what, three weeks ago, three or four weeks ago, we continued to discuss God's omniscience 
an attribute which by the classical definition, and that's a key thing, this is by the classical definition, um, that affirms that God knows all things past, present, and future infallibly. And we saw that over the course of about the last hundred years or so, this new understanding of God's knowledge has surfaced, which we would refer to as open theism. Now, if you'll remember, the open theist believes that God doesn't know the future because for him to do so would require that he determine, that is, fix, the future. After all, uh, God can't be wrong about anything. He's perfect, and he gave human agents free will. Those seem to be incompatible to the open theist. The open theist believes that there would be a, uh, a contradiction to affirm God's foreknowledge and the free will of human agents. And as we saw, the open theist believes that God can know something about the future, such as the name of King Cyrus or the name of uh, Hosea from the book of Isaiah, but he must limit human freedom in order to do so. That is, he must determine that which he knows infallibly. So for the open theist, if you'll recall, God can know the future, but he chooses not to in order to maintain freedom for uh, for human beings, for human agents. Now, if you go back to our first lesson on God's omniscience, however, you'll see that historically very, very few Christian leaders and Christian thinkers if any, saw any form of, uh, of, of necessary conflict between God's perfect knowledge and the free will of human agents. And at this point, it may be good to, to point out that if you haven't listened to those lessons, you should go back and listen to those before you go any further here, just so you can get a working understanding of uh, and, and foundation for God's omniscience. Uh, but anyway, it might be also a good time to go back and review that lesson, because it has been a while since we've done that. So anyway, when did God's knowledge really start to be questioned? That's a good question. Let's go ahead and start there. Where uh, in history did God's knowledge start to be questioned? It actually wasn't until the 16th century that a serious attack against the classical understanding of God's foreknowledge was launched. Uh, a Spanish Jesuit theologian by the name of Luis de Molina came out and asserted that God had a different kind of knowledge when it came to the actions of human agents in an exercise of their free will. Well, what's different about this this type of knowledge that he said that God has? Well, according to William Lane Craig, who is a modern Molinist, God has three types of knowledge. First, God has what is referred to as natural knowledge. This would include God's knowledge of all possible worlds. Thus, one would say that it's pertaining to and includes anything that is either necessary or possible. Uh, William Lane Craig would argue that this type of knowledge is essential to God. Secondly, God has what is referred to as free knowledge. This includes God's knowledge of the world as it actually is. And this type of knowledge is not essential to God. It's not essential to his nature, and therefore he doesn't possess it until after the actualization of some potential act. And so thus God's free knowledge isn't knowledge that God possesses from eternity. Rather, it's knowledge that he gains after the carrying out or the exercise of a free act. So once an act is freely committed, God has absolute and complete knowledge of that action, but he didn't have that knowledge prior to the act. And so therefore, God's free knowledge is absolute knowledge of the past, but it also means that God has no knowledge of what future free actions 
will happen. Uh, will World War III happen this year? Well, God doesn't know, because that involves the free actions of human agents. But the Molinists would say that God does have knowledge of the potential of World War III happening this year, if that makes any sense. So anyway, then the third type of knowledge is what is referred to as middle knowledge, according to Molinism. And this middle knowledge means that there are certain future things which God does know absolutely, but any act in the future which results from the exercise of the free will of free persons is only known contingently. In other words, God has uh, maybe intuition uh, and he can predict future free acts, and he's pretty darn good at making predictions about what a person will do in accordance with their freedom uh, and based on what he knows about their character, but he doesn't know infallibly what a free agent will or will not do. So how does the Molinist support the idea that God has this quote-unquote middle knowledge? Well, first they claim that God must have three types of knowledge since there are three types of actions, that which is possible, that which is necessary, and that which is contingent, and that is free. And since something that's contingent isn't necessary, there's not a guarantee that it's actually going to happen. Well, according to Molinism, all future free acts are contingent upon various circumstances and events, and thus, while God may have a pretty good idea of what a person will do in a given situation, he doesn't have infallible knowledge until a person actually performs that action. Well, why does God have to wait, according to Molinism? That's because something cannot be true until it actually occurs. The future hasn't occurred yet, and so therefore neither God, nor anyone for that matter, can possibly have knowledge of it. Uh, his knowledge, God's knowledge, is contingent upon the exercise of one's free will. Prior to that, God can only have absolute and necessary knowledge of possibilities. Now, according to William Lane Craig, he wrote that, quote, In the logical moment prior to creation, God had no idea how many would be saved and how many would be lost, end quote. Uh, that's from William Lane Craig in his book, The Only Wise God, pages 145 and 146. Well, why does God, uh, in this logical moment prior to creation, have no idea how many would be saved and how many would be lost? It's because this type of knowledge would be contingent according to their free will, according to Molinists. Uh, let's just point out, first of all, that there is no moment prior to creation. Uh, because once creation came into being, the, the universe was created, and time is inseparably linked to space. Before there was space, there was no space or time. Uh, so those things came into existence together. So uh, that being said, this statement is kind of nonsense. But, you know, I have to admit that some of the arguments for God's middle knowledge appear to be somewhat convincing on the surface. For example, uh, Craig writes on page 136 that, quote, as for the unsaved, the only reason that they are not predestined is that they freely reject God's grace, end quote. On the surface, I agree with that. However, Molinism makes a crucial error in that it asserts that God must wait. It asserts that God must wait to know what someone will or will not do. Well, what's wrong with that? Well, it denies God's eternality, first of all. That is, that God is outside of time. Because God is non-spatial, he is also necessarily non-temporal as well, as we just discussed, according to both the Bible, that is, uh, Psalm chapter 139, verses 1 through 5, for example, and the laws of physics. Because God is non-temporal, there are no before and after moments from his perspective. He knows all things 
past, present, and future from one eternal moment, and he knows them infallibly. Further, as, uh, as Dr. Geisler notes, quote, all things pre-exist in their ultimate cause, God. So God knows things in himself from all eternity, end quote. In other words, Let's say I were to uh, to knock over the first domino in a sequence that I've set up. I know that the last domino in the sequence will fall as well, and it's even possible for me to calculate the precise moment that that will happen. And of course, this illustration isn't an exact uh, representation of God's foreknowledge, since you know maybe an earthquake could happen, or uh, or a gust of wind could come in and, and disrupt the time of the sequence. But you get the point. God is the efficient cause of all things. And thus, because he knows himself perfectly as the cause of all things, he knows future events perfectly and infallibly as well. And so therefore, it is complete nonsense. It's nonsense to affirm that God has to wait upon the exercise of one's free will in order to convert his knowledge of that which is potential into knowledge of that which is actual. Secondly, God's knowledge is not contingent upon the dimension of time and the exercise of free will. In fact, nothing about God is contingent. Why? Well, because as we've discussed, uh, as we discussed several lessons ago, in fact, God is a necessary being. And if God is a necessary being, then it's impossible for him to be contingent in any way, because he is necessary. Well, why is it impossible then for him to be contingent? Well, first of all, because necessity and contingency are logical opposites. They are diametrically opposed. Something which is not necessary is necessarily contingent, and something that isn't contingent is necessarily necessary. You follow me? But, you know, taking this into account, uh, in accordance with the law of identity, which affirms that something must logically be either A or non-A, and this is a basic first principle of, uh, of philosophy, of logic, God's knowledge cannot be both necessary and contingent. God doesn't have parts. He's simple. And thus, it's impossible for part of his knowledge to be contingent and part of his knowledge to be necessary. God's essence is identical to his nature, and thus if God is necessary in being, his knowledge must be necessary as well. Thirdly, God, as a necessary being, is independent in his being. Well, because God is independent, it's impossible for his knowledge to be dependent on time and on the exercise of the free will of human agents. Fourth, God is immutable. In other words, he is unchanging. Yet, if God has to wait in order to convert his potential knowledge of some future thing to necessary knowledge of that future thing, then God learns. If God learns, then God changes. But God doesn't change, and thus it's logically impossible to affirm that God learns. He simultaneously knows all things infallibly from eternity, and thus there's nothing for him to learn. Fifth, if God's knowledge of future free actions is contingent, then God is gradually becoming greater and greater, since the more God knows, the greater he is. Yet he's already infinitely great, and it's logically impossible to add to that which is infinite. Now, I realize that math and science use these equations in which they add to and subtract from uh, infinity, but that's an abstract and theoretical infinity. It's not an actual infinity. It's logically impossible to add to an actually infinite thing or sequence. 
Sixth, contrary to the claims of Molinism, it is entirely logically possible for God to have necessary knowledge of contingent actions. God's absolute and necessary knowledge of an action doesn't mean that the action isn't committed freely. God doesn't have to force or determine an action in order to know that it will happen any more than you or I need to force or determine an action in order to know that it has happened. Finally, as, uh, as Dr. Geisler points out, what we know of God and what we know of his desire to save all human agents in accordance with their free will based on scripture, for example, First uh, Peter 3.9, and, uh, and reason leads us to conclude that, quote, free creatures retain the power to choose not to follow God when God graciously and efficaciously moves them to choose according to his predetermined will, end quote. You see, there's absolutely no uh, conflict between God's absolute and infallible knowledge of the future and the exercise of one's free will. This is the leg that Molinism necessarily stands on. And now that that leg has been debunked, the whole theory of God having this middle knowledge is rendered completely false. God does not have contingent knowledge. He only has necessary knowledge because he is a necessary being. So anyway, I hope that makes sense to you guys. And if you guys need any clarification on this, I realize that this is a a very complicated subject. Believe me, I realize I sat here uh, trying to type this all out, type out this whole study uh, and and really take a a, get a good grasp on on Molinism. So if you have any questions, feel free to email me. I think I've got a pretty good grasp on it now, and I'd be happy to help you out. My email is cleanslate.ministries at hotmail.com. So anyway, God bless you guys, and thank you so much for joining us today. I'll see you next time on BibleStudyPodcast.org. Keep growing closer to Jesus.